It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. The blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Police Chief Murray of the Baltimore, uh, uh, excuse me, Police Chief Murray, Police Chief Murphy, Paul of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, it means confirming my outstanding nominee for the to lead the AFT, excuse me, the, the ATF, David Chipman. They'll tell you there's no possible justification for having a hundred rounds in a magazine of a gun. Like I've said before, what do you think? The, the deer wearing Kevlar vest? Okay, so that's your president uh, making a big speech last night about how they're going to focus on gun control because we all know we need more gun control because people are dying, and the reason is because uh, of guns, right? So, but of course, do I need to say that guns are being used by, that have been obtained illegally? They're against the law already. There are gang members getting them, and they're shooting other gang members. And of course, we have uh, an outbreak of killings for policemen. Just this morning in my inbox, in Florida, a policeman stopped a young black man in a car, uh, who was sitting like in the middle of the night somewhere, and he went over, and you got the you hear the the conversation. Do you live here? Why are you here? What are you doing? Uh, and the um, young black gentleman shot him in the head. Okay, so he's as far as I know, he's still alive, uh, but he's um, he's in very serious condition at this point. And then last uh, yesterday, a Colorado policeman was slain. He is. Uh, it was Gordon Beasley. He's a 19-year veteran and a school resource officer. He was killed in the Old Town area of the city in an incident that also resulted in the death of an innocent bystander. Uh, while we don't yet have the facts, I can tell you that Gordon was targeted because he was wearing an, Ar- an Arvada police uniform and badge. So just overnight, two more policemen shot. But, of course, um, you know, they shot by criminals, people that get their guns illegally, not shot by law-abiding citizens. And law-abiding citizens are the people that Joe Biden and his team want to target. Make no mistake about that. On the, on the other side of that, Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, has um, introduced a bill to hire 100,000 new police officers. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that encourage policemen around the country? I don't know what the chance of its passing. I don't know anything more about it other than he has introduced it. And so um, people are becoming more and more concerned about President Biden and his ability to lead, and for good reason. We know what's happening on the border. In fact, I don't think I did tell you that uh, you know, Governor Abbott of Texas 
Uh, of course, is starting to build the border wall, the, the part that the federal government was supposed to have built. He's taking that on. We also know that uh, National Guard tro- I believe it's National Guard troops from Florida and Nebraska are being sent down <clears throat> by their governors of those states uh, to help uh, Texans uh, to protect their borders. And so people are pulling together. And again, remember the 10th Amendment that the states have rights. They have rights that really they are equal to and sometimes supersede the rights of federal government. Uh, meanwhile, Lauren Boebert, who is uh, a brand-new congresswoman from the 3rd District of Colorado, is setting the House on fire, the House of Representatives. You know, she's not the only one. There are great—I can tell you, I've had interactions now with several of them— great freshman congressmen uh, serving uh, the, the interests of the American people, and Lauren is one of them. Uh, she led 22 of her colleagues yesterday in introducing a bill to censure President Joe Biden and hold him accountable for his dereliction of duty at the southern border. She basically says, my censure bill holds President Biden accountable or, uh, for his actions or lack thereof at the border. He's refused to enforce the law securing our border. He has refused to visit our border. His border czar Kamala has refused to visit the border. And his Secretary of Homeland Security is lying to the American people by saying that our border is closed. Not only has Biden done nothing to secure the border, he has actively made it worse by implementing policies that incentivize illegal immigration like amnesty, uh, catch and release, and abolishing the Remain in Mexico policy. The result of Biden's mismanagement is staggering, and the numbers speak for themselves. Okay, so that's Lauren Boebert. I want to tell you who's joining her in this, this uh, seeking a censure of President Biden. It's 22 members of Congress, uh, who have joined her, including Andy Biggs, Dan Bishop. They need credit, and that's why I want to take the time to read their names. Madison Cawthorn, uh, Jeff Duncan, Pat Fallon, Matt Gates, Louis Gohmert, Bob Good, Paul Gosar, Morgan Griffin, Diana Harshbarger, Jody Heiss, Ronnie Jackson, Thomas Massey, Alex Mooney, Barry Moore, Troy Nias, Ralph Norman, Marjorie Taylor Green, Bill Posey, Lance Gooden, and Randy Weber, all of these guys' champions. And many of those were freshmen that I read. You know, we've got some champions that are already already there, like uh, Louis Gohmert and Matt Gates also. Um, and so Lauren is leading this effort, and God bless her for doing that. By the way, um, I just had this up on my screen, and I so I lost it. But uh, the uh, Joe Biden's approval ratings are really going down, and as well they should. I mean, we are suffering. Uh, there's a, a an article here that I have about... You know that when President Biden met with uh, Vladimir Putin, not only did he give him do the favor of having a high-profile summit, which elevated Putin's uh, status in his own country, but he delivered a waiver of the sanctions on the Russian-owned company behind a lucrative gas pipeline project. We talked about it, but maybe I wasn't specific enough. Now Vladimir Putin is going to be able to build that pipeline in Europe and supply oil to the Europeans. Meanwhile, what is he doing at home? What has he done at home? He has destroyed the Keystone Pipeline. In fact, they're saying now it's over. They can't sustain any more. They're giving up. And so the all the while trying to make Russia the dragon or the, the horrible claiming that Russia is such a danger, which it is, claiming that verbally out of one side of their mouths, blaming them for ruining our elections, for trying to help Donald Trump, all the other stuff they have been uh, repeating over and over again, nauseatingly these last few years. The reality is that Joe Biden and Barack Obama before him have done everything they can to build up and and expedite in policies 
uh, the Russian dictator. And so, um, so t the Taylor Two Pipelines is the story of this article I have. It would be the pipeline that he is now allowing to be built, uh, oil supplied to to uh, Europe from Russia, while stopping a pipeline into the United States through Canada. And uh, do, have you been? Have you bought gas lately? Anybody bought gasoline lately? Well, you can blame Bo Joe Biden and his team for the high prices that you're paying and are going to pay in the future. And back to the border, one last thing. Kamala Harris has now scrambled. She's visiting the border. Suddenly, she's going to visit the border. The pressure, I think, has gotten to her. And maybe the last straw is that Donald Trump has said that he's going to visit the border. Uh, he issued a statement. Uh, he's going to visit it Wednesday. And he said, what Biden and Harris have done and are continuing to do on our border is a grave and willful dereliction of duty. My visit will hopefully shine a spotlight on these crimes against our nation and show the incredible people of ICE and Border Patrol that they have our unshakable support. So now Kamala Harris is going to hurry and try to get there before President Trump does. It's just a big game to them. They really don't care about the safety of the American people. They just could care less. And now on the issue of the filibuster and SR1, that big, big voting bill, uh, we, uh, the uh, Republicans voted in sync to push back uh, on the Democrats, and they weren't able to get 60 votes to invoke cloture. Uh, I want to explain something because this is complicated, and this is, you know, process in the Senate. Uh, the, the Democrats turned around and then blamed, have been saying, I'm sure you've heard it if you've listened to the news, that Republicans have shut down, they've shut down conversations on the Voting Act. Uh, they're not willing to even talk about it, and uh, and it's all about racism and stopping black people from being able to vote because, you know, it's always about racism. And so um, they are making Joe Manchin their hero because he offered a, a so-called compromise bill. Let me just point out to you that Joe Manchin's compromise bill was endorsed by President Barack Obama and uh, a Democrat, Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams. They liked Joe Manchin's bill. That should tell you something about Joe Manchin's bill. Just be careful. Joe Manchin uh, has been and continues to be a traitor to conservative causes. He's maybe the worst kind because he he smiles and he's like the aw shucks guy from West Virginia, but when the chips fall, uh, he always supports the left. He does. And so uh, Joe Manchin's uh, little compromise election bill, I think we think is just a ploy. It was just something to make him look good. What we really think they're trying to do is they know that they can't pass this without passing, without doing away the filibuster. And so they are going to peel off this massive SR, SR1 election bill into little tiny bits, smaller bits, and try to pass them one at a time, one at a time, and get uh, the election law that they want passed the way that they want it. Also, they're going to use the, the Voting Rights Act uh, to implement this stuff, continuing the drumbeat of Republicans being racist and uh, these bills on voting, you know, are all about, uh, um, you know, stopping black and people of color from voting in this country uh, when nothing could be further from the truth. But what else is new? We live in an age of lies. All right. So last night on Tucker Carlson, the, the dad that was arrested, one of the dads at the uh, Loudoun County School Board uh, meeting on Monday night uh, was interviewed. And I just thought he made some really great observations very calmly, but I want you to hear what he said about what happened on Monday night at that board meeting, clip seven. If you want to yeah. redress your grievances about a school board, there's no other place you can do it than in a school board meeting. And in this case, we went on to public land, went into a public auditorium. We were there for a public 
forum that we were invited to, and I was signed up to give public comment. And at the end of all that, every single person there, all 500 parents, had their First Amendment rights trampled on by the Loudoun County School Board and its superintendent. So in this case, these are the people who pay for Loudoun County schools. The building was reserved and open until 7 p.m. They arrested you before 7, as I understand. Yeah, actually, it was closer to about 545. Um, And we were supposed to go until 7, until the school board heard something they didn't like, and which was, ironically, applause for one of the people that we were supporting, Senator Dick Black. And the net result was they shut it down. But there was not violence. There wasn't crazy going on. People stayed there. They actually started singing. And then we just encouraged folks that if the school board didn't want to hear it, we were going to hear from one another. And we allowed a very orderly, peaceful process of allowing people to actually start speaking. And they did that. They lined up and peacefully started presenting their perspectives. And we allowed the other side to do the same. And then suddenly it was declared an unlawful assembly after the thing that you're showing right now occurred, which, as best I can tell, was a complete leftist diversionary tactic that was pre-planned because no one that was lined up to speak was involved in any of that. So the net result was they declared an unlawful assembly and then they moved a whole series of pre-positioned deputies and tried to push them out of the room, threatening them all with arrest. And that's what they did uh, to John Tiggs, who was the speaker just then, the father. I watched his arrest. You know, he's very calm. Uh, and he's just standing there speaking. And they tell him he has to evacuate the room and or leave the room. And it's 545. The meeting's supposed to last till 7. And as he said, the people just started talking to each other, taking turns, you know, delivering their uh, a message that they came to say, which the school board wasn't going to allow them to say. And they ask him, they say, do you, are you going to evacuate? He says, no, I'm not. So you're going to be arrested? He said, I guess so. I guess arrest me. Uh, very calmly. It's just, and the policeman was, I think, pretty rude. Uh, the police, of course, are not beyond being, being infiltrated by the left. We all know that. That's one of the great dangers that we are in right now. But Loudoun County, you know, continues to be fighting. And um, as I understand it, there's another school boarding com- meeting coming up in Fairfax, I think, just tonight. So that'll be interesting to watch. Meanwhile, a middle school teacher has been fired in Virginia uh, for, uh, you know, I'll have to come back to that because I don't have time to explain it to you thoroughly. And I want to. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The reality of abortion is changing. The abortion industry is targeting vulnerable women even earlier in their pregnancies than ever before. Because of this change, we need to be there sooner. That's what ICU Mobile is all about. By showing a mother her baby by ultrasound on our mobile medical units right where she lives, we see four out of five women choose life. There is a way to combat abortion right on the ground. Join us at ICU Mobile, the pioneer of mobile medical ministry. We go serve women, go save lives, and go share Christ right in the communities where abortion is happening at the greatest rates all across the country. Four of five women see their ultrasound in our mobile units and choose life. Visit us now at icumobile.org to make a life-saving contribution. Or text LIVES to 45777. That's L-I-V-E-S to 45777. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Heidi Grant, Director of the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. She's responsible for administration and execution of DOD security cooperation programs and activities. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of the importance of being a good steward. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Heidi Grant in her work at the Department of Defense. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you in the midst of your college search? We invite you to explore Liberty University this spring at one of our on-campus events. Spend a few hours exploring campus at Tour LU, dig deeper, and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience OU. Or you can take your next steps towards training for your dream career on a world-class campus by meeting with faculty and department heads and getting your questions answered at DecideLU. Learn more about these visiting opportunities and register today by texting VISIT to the number 49596. Again, that's VISIT to the number 49596. June is Gay Pride Month across much of the Fruited Plain. Many public schools are using the festivities to radically indoctrinate your children, encouraging them to explore their sexuality and embrace alternative lifestyles. In Loudoun County, Virginia, one Christian parent refused to let their child be indoctrinated. So the other day, when students were learning how to become transgender, they told the Christian student to leave the room. They made the child stay inside a broom closet for the duration of the class. The Loudoun County School District literally shoved the Christian student into a closet during Pride Week. Your tax dollars are being used to fund this agenda, folks. Instead of teaching kids about reading and writing, they're confusing kids about their gender identity and pronouns. Be sure to order a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, available now at your favorite bookstore. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. As educators, we must continue to lift our voice to ensure that our students have the truth. We know, as I can tell you as a teacher for over 30 years, this is what I know about my students. When they teach, when you teach them the truth, they have the creative uh, imaginations about what they can actually do to make a difference so that they can actually confront the injustices that have been built into every social system within this country. We should never underestimate our students' ability to not only learn about the complete and rich history of this country, but to come together with their shared stories and make sure that they have the opportunity to be those problem solvers we need them to be so we can confront the institutional racism that this country uh, lives with every single day. And it's not just about history. It's about right now, as we very well know. Okay, so if you wondered where the National Education Association stands on this, You have it. That's Becky Pringle, the NEA president. And if you haven't figured out already, you need to know that the National Education Association has been corrupt for decades. I could trace it back to the 80s. 
I could trace it back to the, certainly the early 90s when I was on radio in Chicago and when I first started. And that um, uh, the National Education Association has been the strongest purveyor, advocate of LGBT rights. They're the ones that started it. They started it, to my knowledge, this was the beginning. They uh, they started in New York City trying to push this. And the, the parents in New York City had a fit. They, they tried to push on them the rainbow curriculum, and they were not having it. This was in the 80s. You're not going to do that to our kids. Oh, my, how things have changed. Uh, then the National Education Association produced this video called, it was a VCR at the time, VCR, remember those? It was called It's Elementary, and it was a propaganda film for teachers, and it was to show them how to propagandize their students, uh, how to handle parents. It was amazing. It was jaw-dropping. That was the National Education Association, and they continue to be, uh, by the way, the largest um, union in the Washington, D.C., uh, the, the biggest, the best funded, because teachers out of their you know salaries have been forced to pay dues to the NEA for decades and so very strong and very radical. And that's why teachers began to leave the National Education Association. But anyway, I just wanted to give you some background on that. That's Becky Pringle, systemic racism that we face every day. Remember, they're educating our children to that. Uh, and, but you know what? Some teachers are not having this. And I want to point out the one that I just started to tell you the story about. There's a medical, middle school teacher uh, who was ousted in Virginia. And I'll give you the location uh, it's a teacher at the Joseph T. Henley Middle School in Albemarle, Albemarle County in Virginia. I don't know where that is. Uh, he has been ousted for sharing the county's radical ideas on critical race theory with parents. His name is Dan Ferraro. He's a 6th and 7th grade language arts teachers, teacher. He shared Henley Middle School's courageous conversations about race slides with parents. In an effort to be transparent and, as he described, because he felt he had a moral obligation to do so. As a result, according to Dan Ferrero, school principal Beth Costa told him his, quote, views were inconsistent with the direction of the school and that his contract would not be renewed for another year of teaching. All right, that's an article in Breitbart, which we'll put on our Facebook page so that you can read all the details of that, especially those of you in Virginia, if this is a story that you don't know. Uh, it's an exclusive middle school teacher ousted for helping expose critical race theory. I have been uh, telling you, I've been touting, you know, all these school, um, these districts around the country that are fighting back, whether it's critical race theory or these radical uh, transgender policies and pronouns and bathrooms and locker rooms and all of that. But I, I really don't think I've given due to Rapid City, South Dakota, and I apologize for that. Uh, Jill, if you're listening, forgive me for that. I think I've mentioned it in passing, but they put up a huge fight there. And on June the 8th, they won, I think, almost every single seat uh, in their school board. They certainly won the majority, and so uh, they're battling. Uh, they're battling, uh, trying to figure out how to do away with uh, CRT. We need to talk to them maybe more extensively. But I wanted you to know that that Rapid City is doing a great job. And by the way, uh, for those of you out in Rapid City listening, you know, um, Rapid City was, I think the place that we stayed when we went to the July 3rd celebration under with President Trump of the 4th of July at Mount Rushmore. And we, we just, uh, it was on the streets of Rapid City where we saw Antifa and the radicals uh, handing out materials and uh, putting masks on those historical statues. It was pretty amazing. So uh, great people out there. And um, uh, so we will try to connect with them personally and get a, a person personal story of what they're doing there. All right. Um, 
There's so much news. This honestly, just could I just say today, I, I'm talking fast because I have so much to share with you, and it's, I have to make all these choices. It's hard, you know. Um, let me say that uh, we talked with Pat Kolbeck, I believe yesterday or the day before. Uh, Pat is a former Michigan State senator, and that that's why this article caught my eye. A Republican-led, this is the headline, Republican-led Michigan panel affirms Biden victory in the state. So, uh, yeah, they sent out their report, and, hey, listen, everything was fine in the elections in Michigan. The Republican-led Michigan panel has said so. Uh, but I want, you to re- I want you to hear Pat Kolbeck's response to this. He told us uh, that Republicans in that state have just been completely feckless, and many of them that have been his friends before have really turned against. They're just refusing to do any kind of forensic audit. Uh, and so this is Pat's words in response to this report. He says, today the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee released its long-promised report on the 2020 November election in Michigan. The report is simply the latest example of elected officials saying, talk to the hand to everyday Americans. All we are asking for is a forensic audit of the election. In support of this request, I have personally shared hundreds of affidavits attesting to election fraud, often at significant personal risk to my fellow affiants. Remember, they took, I think, something like 10,000 just last week. They presented them to uh, on the steps of the, the building, and I guess that's why the Republican-led Michigan panel has said, oh, listen, nothing to see here. Nothing happened in that election. We are not going to do a forensic audit. I'm going to continue with Pat's comments. In response, our elected officials have threatened us with a criminal investigation by the attorney general. That is how a banana republic operates, not our constitutional republic. In a constitutional republic, we have a right to free speech. We have a right to freedom of assembly. We have a right to freedom of the press. We have a right to seek redress of our grievances. Under the Michigan Constitution, we also have a right to an audit. And uh, so then he goes on and addresses the specific things that they said. Remember that uh, there is still a lawsuit pending on the Antrim County election lawsuit. A judge ruled against uh, the findings, against further checking on those findings, but it's being uh, uh, appealed to a higher court. And so um, now Pat's website or his site is letsfixthings.com, letsfixthings.com. And if you want to read his full comments on that, those of you in Michigan, please do. In fact, we should post that on our Facebook page, uh, Adam. It's Oversight Report, full of oversights. <laughs> I'll say, very well said, Pat. Okay. Uh, I want to then also just a little, uh, this, this would require a whole show, another one. But I want you to know this, that the... Um, People are coming after people who are in public office, whether it's school boards, local offices. Uh, they, the American people are fed up. I got I, in my inbox this morning. I had more. I had two uh, people saying they're going to be running for some significant race in their state. They've had it. They're going to be running. Uh, and I want you to know that the, you know the ten Republicans that uh, voted to impeach President Trump. Nine of them have primary opponents, and they have strong opponents. And the ones that are, those people are Liz Cheney, Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio, Jamie Herrera Butler from Washington, John Katko, New York, Adam Kinzinger, Illinois, Peter Meyer, Michigan, Dan Newhouse, Washington, Tom Rice, South Carolina, Fred Upton, Michigan, and David Valadeo, California. Uh, the only person, let's see, Cheney, uh, Liz Cheney, who's probably the most notable and probably the, has done the most damage is being challenged by Wyoming State Senator Anthony Bouchard 
whose campaign raised $400,000 in three months in small donations. And so um, then in Ohio, Representative Gonzalez is being charged, uh, uh, challenged by a Marine veteran, uh, and that's the 16th district. And in um, Amy Herrera Butler in Washington State is being challenged by former Green Beret Joe Kent. You remember we interviewed him. His wife was killed in combat. You remember that? So Joe Kent is uh, challenging Butler for that seat. That's just a few of them. The only person that doesn't have a challenge is the one that serves in um, in New York. Uh, um, John Catco does not have a challenger yet. So uh, just just telling you, people are fighting back, and I want you to know that because a lot of those people are you. A lot of those people are you. God bless each and every one of you. All right. So papers are falling everywhere about me. I want to go back now to email because we have such great email this morning. And I, uh, so just stay with me as I try to uh, make some sense of all the many subjects as they weave together with the news. There are a lot of things uh, related to COVID, a lot of comments that I want to take just a second. I, I cover it a lot. I care about it a lot. I'm, I'm just uh, beside myself with the notion of them forcing vaccinations on children and youth. Uh, given what we know about the heart problems that we've seen now in Israel and other countries uh, of these vaccines that have presented themselves among young men, especially, but not just young men, all kinds of problems. It's not just the heart problems. There are growing concerns about it. So um, this is from Jerry. He says, why is the administration pushing vaccines for a virus that is basically gone? Just look at the statistics for Alabama. I didn't have a chance to look at them, Jerry, um, just because of time. But if it's anything like uh, the other stats I've looked at, it's uh, COVID is almost non-existent. You know, in the countries where the outbreaks are really bad, now I can't say, I can't do this without better preparation, but uh, many countries that are experiencing outbreaks of COVID overseas are have used, been using the Chinese vaccine. I just have been reading that in the last few days. Now, I don't know about India. I, I, was, I wanted to look up India, and I haven't yet. Uh, I want to see if they're, they're using the Chinese vaccine. Uh, the Chinese, uh, you know, developed their own uh, vaccine, and, and no one else would take it. But a lot of these um, Asian and East Asian countries have done that. They made deals with the Chinese, and so they, that's part of the reason, well, it seems, it might be part of the reason why they're having such an outbreak, why it's not, it hasn't worked. So, um, yeah, the vaccine is practically gone nationwide. Why else would Michigan open up? Why else would California open up? Because if they could find any excuse at all to stay shut down, trust me, they would. I can't answer that, Jerry, except that I do think there are economic interests. I think that Anthony Fauci, Bob Ga- Robert, uh, not Robert Gates, <laughs> Bill Gates, uh, and others have a tremendous financial interest in making the whole globe get vaccinated because there's big money in it. That's really what I think. Uh, I do think there's probably more to it than that, but I do think that's one thing that's probably pretty solidly the reason. And uh, the patents, between the patents that they've, uh, you know, submitted, the money that, that they get, you know, and also Anthony Fauci has a reputation. I mean, he is, uh, I think, already virtually destroyed his reputation. Uh, so he's scratching at that, has to, you know, insist that he's right about it and that everyone must be vaccinated. Uh, and I think, you know, you've got um, Rahm Emanuel's brother, Zeke. Is it Zeke? I think it's Zeke, who's uh, President Biden's chief guy on this. They're just, uh, because people are not getting vaccinated and they're f- hearing more and more concerns about it, 
uh, the wheels are coming off the bus for them, and so they're kind of doubling down. So they're saving face, and some for some it's a financial uh, consideration. For others, it's a reputational consideration. And, of course, at the bottom line, it was always about control of the American people. But I think they've lost their grip. I do. But here, not with this. So this is uh, from Trish, and she said, do I have to tell my employer if I've been vaccinated or not? And is that not HIPAA? Please help. Um, she says she can't get answers even on CDC. And I, you know what, Trish, I can't, this is out of my expertise. I can't tell you either. Uh, I would think, for heaven's sake, that it should be, uh, your answer should be protected by HIPAA. I would think that. I also, you know, when you, um, I learned the hard way when I started employing people, that the employment laws are so strict, you can't ask basic questions of the people you're trying to employ. Or you're, you know, like breaching their rights. I think even age. You can't ask them how they feel about issues, what they think about this or that. You can't. It's like generic. You have to be so careful. So if you can't do that when you're trying to employ them, then why can you ask them if they've been vaccinated? I don't understand that. So, Trisha, I can't answer the question. I'm sorry. I think laws vary, and I think because law is doesn't, seem to really matter right now. I can't, I can't give you an answer. I would say, you know, you could invoke HIPAA. You could say, you know, that's, that's personal and I, I'm not going to, you know, make them, make them make you, make them take you to court uh, and get a, I don't know. I mean, you just have to figure out how far you want to fight. Uh, but I can't give a, a definitive answer to that. And in fact, this is another one. This is from Keith. He said, um, my fear is coming true. More and more healthcare systems are requiring the vaccine. Uh, he said, this is from Frederick, Maryland, which is, I, I guess, in his, I guess he's in Frederick. Um, um, they're advocating that Maryland's 60 nonprofit hospitals and health systems uh, agree to set up a date after which vaccination against COVID-19 would be a condition of employment. So they're already doing that. They won't employ you unless you have had the vaccine. That's a very serious problem. I do think there are lawsuits coming up. As I told you yesterday, there's a lawsuit by students um, uh, I can't remember the university right now, but uh, maybe it's, sorry, I just don't don't dare guess. Uh, but they are suing their school for forcing them to be vaccinated. And so I just think more lawsuits are in order because the facts are not going to support uh, forcing people to do this. I think there's more and more, as you know, a damning information about the effect of the vaccine. So... So there, that's the part of that segment. So stay tuned, because I do have a lot more. Your comments uh, from your email and texts are just really fascinating. So we're going to continue with that. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Lord, we come into your presence. Your people pray that. I pray that. Lord, we come into your presence. The bottom line is if you live in an attitude of prayer, you are always in his presence, and you never come into something that you were already there. You're already in His presence. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his message, Praying Always with All Prayer, on the next Turning Point Weekend Edition. Listen to Turning Point, Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Have your dreams been shattered? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. Somebody told me early in my ministry, he said, you know, if you preach to broken hearts, you'll always have an audience. And I don't know what your need is today, but God does his best work in the midst of broken, shattered dreams. Find real hope in Christ. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central, here on American Family Radio. 
Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When their mom passed, the Landau brothers of New Jersey had a garage sale to clear out their mom's house. But they decided to keep a few things, including mom's old creepy painting of a woman passed out in a chair and two men trying to revive her. Fast forward to their estate auction, and the brothers found themselves fielding bids from France and Germany for the painting. Turns out, it was a long-lost Rembrandt that ultimately sold for $1.1 million. A trained eye spots value where others don't. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. The Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion. Note, not the freedom to believe what we want, but the freedom to actually exercise our Christian faith and follow its teachings. The Democrat Party has completely lost sight of this fundamental civil right. The Catholic Church is drafting a document that will urge priests to refuse communion to any politician who defends the butchering of babies in the womb, including the president. Democrats, who either don't understand the Constitution or don't care, are determined to strip tax-exempt status from the Catholic Church in retaliation. Democrats are prepared to add to their sin of abortion the sin of prohibiting the free exercise of religion. We now must defend the Constitution and religious liberty from those who have a sacred sworn duty to protect it. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The Chinese Communist Party's propaganda outlets are condemning the arrogance of Biden National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and other U.S. officials reviling them for lacking a, quote, sense of shame, unquote. That's particularly rich, since the CCP is simultaneously praising Wuhan Institute of Virology scientists whose research allegedly included the bioengineering of the COVID-19 virus and what was at best an accident that unleashed a pandemic on the world killing nearly 4 million people today. Beijing's mouthpieces insist that people like the notorious Bat Lady of China's illegal biological weapons program should get the Nobel Prize for medicine. Unfortunately, such Chinese arrogance is but one symptom of the racist and supremacist attitudes that are contributing to dictator Xi Jinping's determination to dominate the world. We should condemn and counter the CCP by recognizing what it is, a transnational criminal organization. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. Once again, we're going to do the impossible. In this one segment, I'm going to do email, Facebook, and take your phone calls. (laughs) No, I would like to talk to you. I really would. I wish I... Yes, so the phone number, if you have something specific you want to share... Uh, You know, be concise, be clear, make the most of the few minutes that you do have. Our phone number is 888-589-8840, By the way, uh, we were just talking, Adam and I, about Facebook. We don't know if we're being shadow banned or we don't know what's going on because uh, there are less comments, but there are some great comments, I have to say. Um, 
one thing I wanted to comment on, he just pointed out, I, I, we posted a picture of um, me with my son and his family and my husband, Bruce, uh, because I wanted you to see why I was gone for three weeks. And uh, we've gotten so many comments on that, beautiful comments. So thank you. I haven't had a chance to look at all of them, but your kindness is noted. Uh, it was funny because uh, w- they're, they're still here with us. And uh, my son is, you know, a P- he just graduated with his PhD looking for work. So the house is very busy. And we've been taking the kids to various things. I took my my grandson Moses, who's 12, uh, to an engineering class yesterday, problem solving. And he and I, he and I built a tower with a, with a crane. And so it was a lot of fun. I, I'm loving this. I, I have to say I'm loving it. And I, I just uh, wanted to thank you for understanding uh, my need as a grandmother to be uh, with them for a, a concentrated period of time. And thanks for those kind comments. I wanted to say, acknowledge also on Facebook that Jerry uh, is a pediatrician. He said he listens every day. And uh, he said that he agrees 100% on not vaccinating pediatric patients. So, uh, Jerry, that's pretty courageous of you, given the climate of the medical profession right now. So thank you for sharing that. And then on the fun fun side, I did an interview last Friday with my good friend Greg Brown, who was a uh, disc jockey at uh, WLS Radio for a number of years. And he was on in Chicago as a top 40 DJ for years. It's number one ranked in his time slot. And uh, he just retired after all those years in radio. And we've known each other for, well, lots of those years. And so we had a good time uh, last Friday. If you didn't listen to the show, you might want to tune in and listen if you just want to hear Sandy Rios uh, in the morning having some fun, because it doesn't happen often enough. Um, And so this is from Gwen. She says, as a radio fan and a journalism PR degree, this program gave me many smiles. We celebrated Ron Chapman, KVIL, and Radio Hall of Famer this year in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. He passed in April at 85. He was fantastic, and Greg Brown reminded me of him. I understood your enthusiastic interview with him and friendship. Uh, Anyway, um, the power of radio and music is a true gift from God. And yes, that's for sure. She also says, uh, Greg told us a story about Elton John, and so she said, I worked in the business, and I knew how Elton John was also. He charted his We charted his plane many times. He would just cancel at the last minute. He had a sad life full of alcohol and drugs. Anyway, thanks, Gwen. That's really interesting. I mean, that that's just an interesting comment. It makes us remember we need to pray for people, right? Everywhere. Uh, this is uh, this is from this is from Renee, and I have to say, um, if I can do this, this would require more time. Renee, I've known since she was a kid. She listens almost every day. She is a fully grown woman with her own, I think, five children. Uh, she is a nurse. Uh, she was the first president of uh, the West Suburban College of Nursing Choir, which I used to conduct uh, a long time ago. We traveled and sang, and it was, uh, it was I think I was the, there for maybe eight years, something like that. It was just a wonderful time in my life, and those girls meant the world to me. And so Renee has remained a friend. She also used to babysit for my children. And uh, trust me, the highest compliment is in the world is when your friends and family actually listen to your show. I, I don't demand that of any of my friends. It's not a litmus test. Some people don't even know what I do. I don't talk about it. Uh, but when your friends and your family do that, I just think it's the, the greatest honor. It really is. So Renee wrote me, and she said uh, they were at uh, Mount Rushmore. And she said when we were there this morning, they had a naturalization ceremony, and it was very moving and wonderful. It was inspiring to see 55 new citizens from 29 different countries taking the oath of citizenship. 
They all introduced themselves and told us their country of origin, and so many of them expressed such gratitude for and love of the U.S. The setting itself, with patriotic music, a huge American flag, and Mount Rushmore in the background, was marvelous. I estimated that at least 75% of the new citizens were people of color, and I was encouraged that they recognized that the U.S. is not a racist country. And I imagine that most of the folks who ended up watching the ceremony happened, happened upon it and stayed to watch like Phil and I did. Each new citizen was applauded enthusiastically after they introduced themselves to the crowd. The patriotism and love of country was very moving to me. God must know that I needed that kind of encouragement. And uh, Renee, so sweet, and thank you for your encouragement to me. Love you, and um, I'll hope to see you soon. Okay, this is uh, I just one more thing. This is from Tracy. She uh, shared some things about COVID, about her brother and concerns and her study of uh, immunity and her concern that people who are who have natural immunity should not take the vaccination and it could be dangerous. But she also says here, I have some real serious problems going on and I would appreciate your prayer and the prayers of your listeners. And so I can't always do this for all of you when you ask for it, but I want to pray for Tracy for a second. Tracy, uh, this is for you, Lord. I don't know what Tracy's problems are, but you do. And so I pray that you would be with her, even as my words are being spoken, that you, she would feel a touch of your spirit, that you would bring healing, bring a sound mind to her, uh, bring, uh, just provide for her needs, bring people around her to, to speak wisdom in her ear, your wisdom. And we pray that you would sustain her throughout this day. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go to the phone lines because I want to hear what you have to say. Our phone number is 888-589-8840. Let's go to Essence in Texas. Good morning, Essence. What a beautiful hey, name. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. Good hey, morning. Um, I've been trying to get in to say something to somebody at AFR. People are forgetting that they have to bring the sword of righteousness, Jesus in there with them. They have to have the Holy Spirit work on these people that are evil at the board. When they go to the school board... They have to uh, pray first, bring Scripture to, right to their ears, because Satan has stopped their ears. They will never comprehend what you're trying to say, that you don't support the curriculum for the children. They don't understand that. So it's like you have to bring in your um, Scripture first, you say it quick, get to the piece that you want to you know, say to these people. Um, I just think of Job and how he went to God and he said, these people are going to turn on you. And, you know, with, with uh, Job and everything, that he's going to turn on God. So it's like, I feel like that's what's happening now is, is Satan is seeing how many people are going to turn away from God when all this stuff is happening oh. around us. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, uh, Essence, that reminds me of that young uh, teacher in Virginia. We played the clip a couple of times now where he actually shares his, his faith that this is against my faith, this is against God himself. He's talking about the transgender policies. It's against God's design, the heart of God. Yeah, you know, there are, there, there are other ways of speaking God's truth than actually quoting the words of our passages. You know, can speak the truth in a way that people who are not familiar with Scripture can understand it too. That's also, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what he did. And you're right, Essence, it lended, it lent, uh, a really powerful moment to that school board meeting. So thanks a lot. I appreciate Are you in a school board fight? Um, no, I'm just a listener for years now, and it's just disgusting me hearing all this stuff that's happening. we got to fight back with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that has the power, and yes. those people are lost. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. Thank you, Essence. It is a spiritual battle. We 
wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Uh, and uh, it's, it takes a lot of skill to know how to fight, doesn't it? Uh, I think of the you know this passage in Ephesians about pulling a whole armor of God. Uh, that's a very practical uh, you know using the, and the the uh, sword of the spirit. The only offensive weapon we have is God's word, which is what Essence is saying. But I guess I, um, I, I there, here's the, okay. I'm instructing you from my perspective. When you start to quote scripture to people who don't have any knowledge of scripture. Sometimes it's not effective. Sometimes instead of saying, for God so loved the world that he gave us, you could say, God gave his life for the entire world, for you, for me. Uh, and it was his only son, the only one he ever had. And you can you can paraphrase, and uh, actually, uh, they don't even know it's uh, from the Bible, because sometimes it causes them to shut down. Although I'm not saying don't say the Bible. Every circumstance is different. But I would challenge you to uh, use words that uh, from Scripture that they can understand. Let's go to Charles in Ohio. Good morning, Charles. Hey, good morning, Sandy. Thank you for what you do. I try to listen as often as I can when I'm working. Um, Thank you. So concerning the, the HIPAA thing, real quick, one cannot use HIPAA to not answer that question as to whether or not I am. I can't say I can't use HIPAA to tell my employer that I am or not. Um, okay. I don't want to get too deep into the HIPAA woods. But yeah. um, a lot of people actually have HIPAA backwards that it's, I can answer questions about somebody else that I'm taking care of. You know, if I ask questions, say, uh, somebody who I'm taking care of, they're supposed to answer per HIPAA if they can justify why they're answering me. In other words, if I'm taking care of somebody physically, emotionally, or mentally, financially, then if the questions are in that area, so, um, a medical professional is so, so, supposed to answer those questions. Yeah, so okay. people have that backwards. Now, there are other um, reasons why employers may not want to ask that question because they don't want, they may not want to get too deep into the why aren't you immunized because that could be dangerous for an employer. But I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know about those. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate you thank clearing you, up the, the HIPAA question. Charles, take care. Thank you. I appreciate you calling. Let's go to Sandy in Texas. Good morning, Sandy. Hi. Good morning. I enjoy your program every morning before I go to work. Oh, thank but you. My my uh, my comment is: I have a daughter that's in a nursing home, and just last week, when I went in to see her, I usually have to sign in and all this other stuff because of COVID. But this last week, they've started. They have this machine of some kind that takes your picture takes all your information and you have to answer you know have you been close to anybody with covid all this stuff and you just shake your head yes or no but the last question is have you been vaccinated and i'm like well you know i could say yes but then i'd have to lie because i haven't and i don't intend to i just wanted people to know what's going on out there Oh, Sandy, that's just a more bad news. Uh, it's going to take uh, lawsuits, and then, of course, that requires a fair judiciary, but there are still some fair justices out there. This is probably going to have to be sorted out in the courts, but it's worth the fight, and I don't even know how to advise you. I really don't. I don't know how to advise you, but thank you for alerting people who are visiting nursing homes about what's happening, and uh, I appreciate your story, and I wish you a wisdom and all the best and protection. Thank you. Let's go to um, let's go to Ari in North Carolina. Good morning, Ari. Haven't heard from you in a long time. How are you? Right, good. Uh, I know you don't have much time. I just wanted to give you a little heads up. 
of what Kellogg's is doing. The Kellogg's, the number one cereal corporation. They have uh, a new uh, cereal brand out this month. It's called Together with Pride. It's, these are heart-shaped Fruit Loops. Uh, the cover of the box has all the famous uh, Kellogg's cartoon characters, the tiger, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, the little bird from Fruit Loops, and it is to indoctrinate children. It's a beautiful uh, presentation, and it's Kellogg's in cooperation with GLAD. Kellogg's is donating, according to the front of the box, Kellogg's is donating to GLAD to support their media advocacy work and accelerating the acceptance for the LGBT community with our children. They're doing this to our children. So I check it out and then do what I'm doing. I'm not going to buy anything that company makes ever again. Yeah, I hear you, Ari. I hear you completely. And I appreciate you alerting us to that, too. I'll alert the, the people at the main office about this because they do take these issues on and uh, they have more power than I do as a single host. But it's good good thing that we're telling people. It's just It's just overwhelming, isn't it? It's like it's everywhere. I'm going to do a segment tomorrow about what's happening in the military. It's just uh, they are thinking, they're covering all their bases, which they always do. They plan, they think of everything. And uh, that's why I think that it's uh, Jesus said that we would be sheep among wolves, sheep among wolves. We, you know, we are uh, like me taking three weeks off to be with my grandchildren. Uh, They don't do that. They are, well, maybe they do. But I'm saying in general, principally, uh, they are always at work. Uh, trying to figure out the next thing to do to uh, to advance their cause, while some of us are just trying to live lives, and we have other priorities, and so we are sheep among wolves. But Ari, I appreciate the update. Thank you very much. And um, so Kellogg's is off the list, and so is Disney, by the way. Thanks a lot, Ari, and thank you. Kimberly, I'm sorry I didn't get to your question, and we'll come back. We'll be talking about technology uh, on a different uh, day because it's becoming more and more concerning as you can see and you fully are experiencing. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.